am in such a good mood, Dan Nathan. It is Thursday, April the 6th. Uh, that's right, right? Thursday, yeah. April 6th. This is Market Call, 1 p.m. on the East Coast. I'm Guy Adami, Dan Nathan, right across from here. We're in the same studio together. It's the craziest thing. It's IRL here on Market Call. Just a few minutes. EY from SoFi, by the way, her Milwaukee Brewers find themselves at the top of the standings, making short work of the Mets yesterday in a three-game sweep. Fortunately, the Mets have today's home opener to sort of get that bad taste out of but their mouth. But they don't. But they don't have. Why not? What happened? Opener. Something happened. Did they cancel Shea? it? Did they cancel it? For what reasons? I'm just know. curious. I mean, it's beautiful out here. It's probably the, the, the nicest there. spring day oh, that we've odd. had. The, yeah. the Mets would can't. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're gonna have to look into that. I'm sure here on Market Call. But yeah. EY from SoFi will be joining us today's Market Call, brought to you by Backset Dan, financial data and analytics that are powered by Tomorrow, and yeah. of course, SoFi get your money right all in one app yeah which is short for application yeah and a lot of people will be going to their application stores on saturday you know big right before easter you know get those new apps for the spring a lot going on in the market although with an s p up a couple handers you say no 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 actually again once again below the surface a lot of things happening Dan. yeah well How it's are funny you, by the way you, you were, you were at the ranger game last I night i was Sorry. it was fantastic actually we had uh steph mateau uh we sure. had adam graves uh these are two ranger greats and then also jim laritz came the up Yankees. yes how about that, Hit that big that? home run in 96 yeah. against mark wallers yeah who yeah. hung a slider and to this day, I'm like, why, why you, was he doing that? You know, why? you were blowing him away with I gas. Know. Just keep throwing I, the heat, I man. Know. And he got you know, right back into the game. It's a three-run dong. A three-run dong to tie it up in the in changed the, the whole series. Yeah, it really did. Um, let's sorry about that. This is not WFAN you're listening to. This is the market call. You would love that though. I MRKT mean, people, call. Pe people have no idea. And let's see what the people in the comment section are oh, saying. Right. I gotta I look got, if guy, if somebody came to guy Adami right now and said, listen, we're going to give you a seat at WFAN. Right. We're going to give you a mic like this. Sure. You have a laptop and you just talk sports, whatever you want all, all right. day long. You're done. You're like, Hey, CNBC. It's I don't a, need a. It's been a nice ride. You know, it's always I always it's want. Been it's a, a nice it's ride. It's not a laptop. It's a lap. Lap. And I guess the theory is you work with it on your lap. Yeah. It does anybody do that? No. It should be called like a desktop. You know, I gets really warm on your lap if you do that. What does? Well, your lap. Your lap gets warm if you're working. Liz, on your you, lap. Hopefully, EY no, is no, taking no, no, notes. No, 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 we'll no, talk no. about that. All in right, minutes. let's let's get into it because you were confused by the date because tomorrow's Good Friday. Yes, okay, it is. and so we have this jobs report, the all important tomorrow jobs report. The March the day jobs when report. the markets close. Yes, it is. And so, interestingly enough, um, again, you know, we've seen a lot of the data weaken. We've been talking about that for a while, and I just want to bring up a, a Wall Street Journal headline here because every once in a while I'll see something, you know, on the journal, and mm -hmm. it'll just get me all excited. And the headline was: Stocks haven't looked this unattractive since 2007. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting to me. I think a lot of people forget that the stock market topped out in November of 2007. Okay. In 2008 was obviously a very bad year. It was the only year that during the financial crisis, the stock market was down. But they're talking about the risk premium, the equity risk premium, the gap between the S&P 500 earnings yield and that of the 10-year treasury sits at around 1.59 percentage points, a low not seen since 07. And so when you think about this, so analysts are expecting earnings um, of S&P 500 companies to edge roughly up 1.6%. So that's come down a lot. We've been quoting S&P expectations via fact set mm -hmm. um, for 2023 earnings to be up mid to high single digits and depending upon where consensus has landed. So it's come down. So expectations have come down. The stock market though, guy, 
still up on the year pretty handsomely here. So I guess as we head into earnings season, as we get more data that's weakening, this jobs report tomorrow is going to be really important because jobs has been something that's been sticky despite ISM and some of these other stuff that's coming down. It makes the job uh, the job of the Fed what that much more difficult. Yeah, and I does. think one of the and Liz can speak to this when she gets here, but I guess they changed the way these jobs numbers are basically comprised and stuff. So the numbers we've seen are actually worse, which counterintuitively is probably why the market is rallying, bounced, yeah. Yeah. Is rallying today. But we'll see tomorrow. Listen, again, we need to see the jobs. We, we need to see unemployment continuing to tick higher. That's what the Federal Reserve needs. Now, the market will take that as bullish. Yeah. But it's anything but. Again, I mean, when you have an economy that's driven by the consumer, rising unemployment by definition is not a good thing. So there's so many counterintuitive things going on totally. here. But here we are. The S&P is 4,100. I mean, it's right there. Well, here's there. two counterintuitive things. Let's pull up the S&P 500 chart. You look at the downtrend. We've been drawing it. You see where we just touched. We're well above the 200-day moving average. It's down mm -hmm. there at 39.45 or something like that. You see that uptrend there. Um, you and I both think we're going to get a retest of that at some point, probably during earnings season, and then we'll see what happens. But then the counterintuitive nature of this is that even though we're well below the all-time highs at 4,100 in the S&P 500, let's pull up this VIX index. This is the uh, volatility measure mm -hmm. of the S&P 500 and it's trading at a level which we've been highlighting you know this 18 19 level it's been a good time to sell stocks we've seen lots of sell-offs kind of start with a VIX in the high teens here and then the last point and then you've been talking about this for months and months and months um, look at the move index okay this is Pull that measuring up. the volatility in in the bond market so I guess my point would be is that if you're seeing all of these measures of volatility other than equities you know what I mean are off the charts whether it be FX whether it be bonds whether it be commodities at some point it's going to come home to roost in the S&P 500. We've had some comments in this section from and we have a great viewership I there see the do. same names each day and I appreciate that but you know people have pointed out that the move index over the ratio of the move index over the VIX is levels we haven't Jim seen. Jim Bianco from Bianco and Research Jim was Bianco on Fast Money the other night. Exactly. Yeah, and we have people talking about here in our comments section for the Smart last few folks. weeks. Well, they are. And my point all along has been for years now, and it's worked a couple times. You know, it's just a matter of time before the volatility we're seeing in the bond market makes its way yeah. into the equity well, market. Well, you've been saying manifests itself into the Yeah, and I didn't want to use that same word really? again. But, you know, there no, was a show on. There was know. actually a show on, like, yeah. an NBC or something called Manifest, I believe. Yeah. And the premise you know of the about? A plane, that, a, a plane that disappeared, it and it was about the man. Yeah, right. But it seemed like a lost And then it off. just. Remember, remember Lost? It was on ABC. Excuse me? Lost. Yeah, it was a great program. People were lost yeah. on an island. Yes. But they. On a plane. And there was a manifest. Yeah. And then people use that word now as like a verb. I'm going to manifest well, I it. think the best use of manifest is manifest destiny. Yeah, well, that was I created mean, way back when. I, know. I mean, that's like, you know. Um, but no, the way people use it now, they want to sound smart. I'm going to, you know, I manifested it. It's like, shut the F up. Yeah. I didn't use I was well, a little. First of all, I, 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 throw throw some comments in the comment section yeah, here. Please. Yeah, guy threw an F-bomb out last no, night. No, but that was and a well-timed F-bomb. Yeah. But I, I no. You know, right. I mean, well, you're the one who always says, you know, take the emotion out of trading. Yeah. Well, no, that no. was emotional. That, when I say take the emotion out of yeah. trading, what I mean is sometimes when you're overly exuberant, and, oh, my yeah. God, I can't believe I'm yeah. long the stock and it's going higher. Yeah. Your instincts vis-a-vis -vis emotion will be like, I got to get out of it. If you take that part of the equation out and say, yeah. wait a second, 
I'm actually right. You'll let it work for you. That's when that's what I mean by taking. All the right. So I wanted out. to make a point. And this is going to be a little tease because at the end of the oh, program, like so stick around. I'm going to give you a trade idea in the Tesla, but I'm going to be doing it through the Tesla Q, which is the inverse Tesla. Uh-huh. And I want to talk about emotion about that because on Friday, okay, into the close, mm-hmm. remember Tesla was blowing out. It was up 7%. Okay? 207, it, I think. Into quarter end, and everyone's excited about um, the deliveries that they were going to report over the weekend, that sort of thing. Well, I got emotional. I doubled up my position, and I bought a bunch of the Tesla Q, okay, at $43. You know where I sold it this morning? At $48. Okay, so I'm actually swapping out of the equity or the, the equity that reflects the bearish nature of Tesla into an options trade. We're going to talk about that at the end. All right, let's talk about next week, By the though. way, so, yeah. yes. You said you got emotional. I, I would emotional. say you got tactical. Yeah. You know, you used that strength to your advantage. But I guess it's semantics. I don't want to go no, down. No, I know, but road, I mean, like, I was pretty emotional. And well, I, you got I, and juiced I, and up. I, I clicked off my screen and I was just hoping away. that those those delivery numbers missed over the weekend. And they did. And the stock was down 10%. Okay. So so let's let's talk about this because I really do think in my trade on Tesla is about earnings. Okay. So let's talk about earnings um that we're gonna see. Uh, next week because mm-hmm. we're going to get started off. Like you and I have been mentioning some of these industrials, some of these transports, they've been acting very poorly. Okay. The banks have been acting very poorly. They're trying to put a little bit of a bottom in here. Um, the big, big ones on Friday, we have Wells city, uh, and JP Morgan. So those are the three big money center banks. The next week is going to be bank of America. Um, I think in Goldman Sachs. Yeah. So that'll be all Tuesday, really interesting. Yeah, we, Monday, Tuesday, yeah. You know, listen, I, I just want to make one point here and I've been talking about this for weeks now. Uh, I've been trading the XLF. I think I've been trading it pretty decently. Um, you know, trading it down here, it's found a little bit of a home and I think it's a really hard press. I think into earnings next week, right? Because again, I think these companies are going to say as little as they have to about the lack of clarity that they have, right? right. They're going to speak to a couple different things, but there's no reason for them to kind of lower the boom. You know what I mean? If they're kind of, you know, still worried. Jamie Dimon got a little bit of that out as uh, his letter. shareholder letter this year. So, so again, are they a good press here? No. Okay. So are they discounting some bad news? No doubt about it here. So if the news isn't worse than expected, they're going to rally and that could be the fantastic setup for a short into Q2. That's, I would say, historically, you're right, given how but poorly they've traded. I think there is, a, the but is, wait a second, things have been bad. Things are not going to improve anytime soon. Yeah. And again, regulation is coming down the pike. And I can't, for the life of me, if any bank CEO gives positive guidance or speaks in like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. things look really good in the second half of this year into 2024, that's just foolish to do as a leader yeah. because, quite frankly, you know who will do it? They of don't. All of them. Brian Moynihan. Yeah, Brian Moynihan. Because he, yes, because frankly, he looks like he played football for nine years in the yeah. NFL and is just now. Uh, Gerald Ford look to him a little bit. I, you know, I just remember that. I, you know, I'm sure he's listening right now. Moynihan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I've if never he's met listening him. Listening right now, they got some bigger problems here. He does. He's never. Oh, he's yeah. never really impressed. And that's no, I'm dude. Not I, to be a I know a lot. Of, I know here. a lot of people in Bank America, and they are fit to be tied. They are not happy with the upper echelons of that management here. Well, listen. My only point is, is this, sometimes you have to divorce yourself from actually the news relative to where the stocks mm, are fair. trading. And so the news could be bad. It could look like the worst headlines that you see if you're like. 
coming new to the story. Let's say you've been focused on the regionals. You've been focused on this other stuff and you saw that news. Oh, then you'd say to yourself, oh, well, Bank of America is down 20% in the last month or so. Made a multi, you know I mean? It made a multi-year yeah. low yeah. over the last so, couple So my weeks. point is, is like, if it's not a disaster, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the stock could bounce. I just want to wait for that. I will tell you this. I will be long puts into next Friday's. Um, and I talked about the puts that I bought, the 31 and a half. Yesterday I was talking about the XLF. I paid 33 cents for those. I averaged into them. I'm down uh, a little below. That's not a great trading strategy with options, especially as they're expiring. But I'm I'm basically risking what I'm willing I to understand. lose into that print. You trade options differently than you yes. trade underlying One equities. I agree with that. So I, I hear you, but I think you also have a strategy and you also have this tactical. You have a view that tactically you might, you know, in the short term yes. might go against you, but nothing has fundamentally changed. So yeah. you might see that relief rally, which will make these things less, you know, the, the worth will go down, but you still believe that you're right fundamentally. And I happen to agree with you. So we'll see. And for, again, for the people out there that, you know, when banks were doing well and said, that's a tell on the economy, the same people now that are discounting banks doing poorly totally. saying, well, you know, it's bank specific. You can't do it's just you just can't play that. Well, game. listen, the other thing is, let's just bring up the 10 year U.S. Treasury yield, mm -hmm. um, you know, three point two eight percent. And what, what's interesting about this, and I think we made the point yesterday and we definitely talked about it last night on Fast Money is like, you know, these long duration tech stocks trading at high valuations. Right. Like they absolutely got creamed yesterday as yields were making the 10 year making new seven month lows. And to me, that that is also counterintuitive. They were supposed to do better. And mm -hmm. even into today, like the follow through in like Airbnb. Airbnb and DoorDash. I mean, Airbnb right now is down four and a half percent. It was down four and a half percent yesterday. So why aren't these stocks acting better? And I actually think you can focus as much as you want on what the banks have to say. I think a lot of smart investors already have a beat on the banks, right? Relative to how they trade um, next week, it doesn't really matter. The most important thing is going to be tech and what they have to say, the visibility that they have, and the way investors react to that. Because if you pull up the NASDAQ right here, it's at a really important level, right? And so to me, I actually think it all, I think the direction of the market in Q2 has to do with mega cap tech. I agree with part. that. No question about it. And Carter's been talking about this. Elizabeth yeah. Young, that's EY from SoFi, has discussed it as well. Rates going down in the very short term at the beginning of that move lower was absolutely bullish for tech stocks on the knee jerk thing. I get it. Until people start, until the market starts to come to the realization that, wait a second. Things are slowing down. Rates could go lower, yet credit's going to remain tight, if not get tighter. Yeah, and th that's the lifeblood of these these Nasdaq technology names. It's an interesting point that the Josephs. I love this. I guess there are two of them that watch it simultaneously. <laughs> Jacob, if you want to bring this up, big banks should capitalize on shitty regionals? Question mark. No, I, that, that's his term. Shitty. He, yeah. By the uh, way, I happen to agree with that. And show. you know what? You There's truth to that, without question. Obviously. Too big to fail. I mean, that's what's effectively happening right before our eyes. Funds, deposits will make their way into these big banks. Of course, the problem is that's not the only thing going on here. Banks are going to be strapped by regulation, which is coming, yeah. and by the fact that they're going to be more rigorous in terms of their lending. So, again, rates could go lower, but that doesn't mean lending listen, is going listen, to improve. Banks are and gonna... that adds to the NIM, NIM. There was a movie like the Net something of margins. NIM. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, movie? but so, so I guess the thing I just hit myself with this Sorry fucking mic. That. Um, no, that was That's, my bad. You no, had nothing uh, to do with it. Um, no, 
No, I don't know. I mean, no, no, there are about this. A lot going on so, in here. So, like I'm know, scared to move. We're figuring it out. We're figuring it out. Oh, it looks that, good, listen, it's trial and error. We're going to get this thing yeah. down. No, I guess my point is, is like if the economy's slowing, then 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 credit was going to become tighter no matter what. You know what I mean? And I do think it's interesting. I think the spread between what's going on in the 10 year and what a lot of the Fed like speakers are continuing to say yeah. about a Fed funds rate, CME Fed funds tracker has got us a 50% chance over 5% after the next meeting. That spread is going to be something that confuses, I think, a lot huge, of businesses for a while. It's a huge disconnect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the market is saying the rate cuts coming. The Fed officials are saying, don't be so sure. Loretta Mester, who was out yesterday yeah, or two was. days ago, she's not a voting member, just putting that out there. Yeah. But she's basically saying, hey, you know, we're staying the course. So they continue to, the narrative is out there. The rhetoric is out there. They're not backing away from that at all. The market is backing away from it. So we'll see. Is it time to bring in EY from SoFi I, I or no? So. This is actually one of the, I, I, other than our Monday on the tape pod that we mm. start the week with off EY. With, with EY from SoFi, SoFi with Liz. I think this moment right here, it's about one fifteen on Thursdays. Yeah. It's something that just gets you all excited. No question about yeah, it. So let's do it. I know. Well, without further ado, that's a French word, by the way, oh, with geez. a lot of vowels. You know, that's one of those words that has one consonant and a shitload of Is that like a vowels. good Wordle word? A-D-I-E-U. Could be, but word. I don't think in Wordle. Does Liz, Liz, does Liz do the Wordle? Liz, are you yeah, doing the Wordle? The Wordle. <laughs> <laughs> what is, you guys have gotten nothing done today. So <laughs> True. Yeah, that's, we broke down banks. We broke down so the technicals on the S&P. That's funny. Hello. Why were you were you bored? You no, can always put not. a comment. No, I was I was laughing the whole time. But I want to talk about something, Dan. You call uh, a home run a dong? Because oh, where I come from, it's a like, dinger. Don't blame it on me. Guy Dami's been the, calling him dongs uh, on the fast money for years. You so actually say it on air. I've like, said it on air. Yeah. No, I mean a big why. We used to say that cat dialed nine. So nobody. The millennial, you won't understand that because it doesn't no. make sense. What do you call, wait, wait, but Liz calls herself a uh, geriatric millennial. That's what she's I am a geriatric millennial. So but, dial I, nine, by the way, Liz, is, or EY from SoFi, yeah. by the way, joining us, thank you, is in the old days when you had to make a long-distance call, you had to dial oh, yeah. nine before the yeah. call. So yeah. dial nine, long-distance, yeah. that's where that When you were from. a kid, though, didn't oh. your number have, like, letters in it, too? Because back in the CR1. Was it I'm really? not even kidding around. That's amazing. CR1. So 271 was CR Croton. Yeah. 27, for you any Croton people out there, you will remember. None. And since you went down this path, I apologize, yeah. Elizabeth. Um, my town, Croton on the Hudson, you can go to your Google machine and check it out. We were the last town in the country that only had to dial four numbers to make a call. For example, yeah. if I were to call my grandmother who lived down the street, right, on Cedar Lane, yeah. I would just dial nine Oh yeah. six nine. Just that's you know it. that that's Four guys numbers. that's guys ATM pin. No, it's not. Yes. See, that's yes. why I knew yeah. it's not. Yeah. But anyway, and then we had to dial seven numbers. So then we had to dial two seven one, and people were apoplectic about that in Croton. You can imagine. When we went to ten. Yeah. Holy shit! I mean, that's like that World War Three with Brad Pitt, like people jumping over walls and shit. It was out. It was World out of War control. Z. Did you like that, Liz? World War Z. You think I saw something called World War Z? Oh my goodness! Sorry. I will tell you. That, <laughs> that, I will tell you this. It was. It was probably March fifteenth of twenty twenty. Okay, we're all the Ides. The Ides of March. I, I remember World War Z was trending on Netflix, on and Hulu, on everything, and I watched that movie again. And you know, I, and it's also interesting that there's all this post-apocalyptic stuff after the pandemic, like The Last of Us. Have you seen some of this stuff? Uh, Station Eleven. These are some great programs here. 
People, I'm reading the yeah, comments. People pissed. are saying I'm. I we, got. We, I, I, we have no control over this. This show is going to go until like two thirty. So we talked. You heard Sorry. us talking about the banks' earnings, market forty one hundred. Uh, mm -hmm. The risk, I mean, if you look at where we are in terms of stocks but through one metric, the worst we've been since 2007, not according mm -hmm. to us, according to the Wall Street Journal. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on those things? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm tempted to come on and, and, and be positive because we've been so negative, but turns out the data still says we should be negative. And a, a couple things, sorry, I'm going to go back off the rails for just a second because there was Wait. a question in the comments that I have to answer. It said, "What was what's the guy's name who slides down the slide every time there's a home run at the Brewer Stadium? His name is Bernie. Bernie. His name is Bernie Brewer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the fire there's fireworks that go off, and then he comes down a slide. Anyway, um, so it's still not good. And the thing about today, even you know, we we opened lower, we stayed lower for a while. We had, as you mentioned, guy revisions to the initial claims report, which were not good." Right. It actually made it sound like the narrative we've been hearing for the last 12 months is not true. And the market is still here going higher. So, look, comments from Bullard apparently earlier today that said, you know, rates have come down. That's going to help. Conditions have tightened. Guys, mm -hmm. Bullard doesn't vote until 2025. So he can talk all he wants, but he's not a voter. So it's you got it. We got to like suss out some of this noise. But here's the other thing. Maybe this is a little bit of like a pre-rally into earnings. We're hoping that earnings season is going to be better. We all know hope is not something that you invest on. But I think that next week is when we're really going to see some serious volatility. We're going to start seeing serious volatility in the market because earnings have not come down. I, I tweeted this earlier. Earnings estimates have barely budged even after the banking crisis was announced. So something's got to give, something's going on. And that equity risk premium, I know it's kind of an academic term that people like us talk about, but it matters because you got to think about it this way. How much are you getting compensated for the risk that you're taking? The higher these stocks go, if we're headed into a recession, the higher everything goes on the risk side, the further and faster it can fall if and when we have to price that in. So the equity risk premium really, really matters here. Yeah, and, and I guess it also comes down, Liz, I think, to breath in a way, because at this point right now, when you look at all the underperformance we're seeing, obviously in financials, you're seeing it in industrials, you're seeing it um, you know, in a whole host of other economically sensitive sectors. We've talked about small caps, how they've underperformed of late. It really is this concentration in about 10 or 20 stocks, right, that are like historically to themselves and to the broad market and the averages over the last, the average multiples over the last five, 10 years. They're really expensive. So all of a sudden now that 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 whole risk premium, it becomes really important because such a small amount of stocks are controlling, um, you know, really, I, I think, the fate of the market, which makes me um, a bit nervous. All right, Liz, talk to us a little bit, because, again, you know, I think our, our loyal viewers here on Market Call, they know what you're doing. They know when you are <laughs> writing your weekly note for SoFi, there is multiple goals. I mean, the first goal is to service your members, as you call them over there at I'm SoFi, sure right? That. The second goal <laughs> is to see how tweaked you can get Guy Adami. That's, <laughs> yes, that's here, one here, A and here. one it's like the Mets yeah. have Verlander and Scherzer, yeah. so you have a one A, you have a one and a one A starter. That's yeah. the same thing yeah. with. Yeah. And by the way, so as we get into it, we can throw the note up or or, or pieces of it. Yeah. You've actually gone down the John Bon Jovi route. Oh now I will goodness. tell you, That's right. my Spotify playlist now currently has eight hundred and thirty-five songs. There's not one Bon Jovi song on that list. Back to That's you. It's a real Liz. shame. 
It's a real shame. Let me tell you why I like John Bon Jovi. Back in 1994, he released an album called Crossroad. Mm -hmm. I was 12 and I was just getting into rock and roll. I was just getting into, I don't know, whatever, music that I liked that my parents didn't force me to listen to. There's a song on it called Always and I fell in love with the drums on it. I also learned from this song, Always, that there was a difference between the album version and the radio edit, because the album version of Always has a little bridge right after the first chorus, which is a rare place to put a bridge, but it's still there. I love it. The radio edit kind of stunk. Anyway, this, that was my John Bon Jovi your, show. She speaks your language is, from baseball meet, to hair yeah. metal. She should meet our friend John Alasia, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. I think she would love JJ. Yeah. I mean, you love him. I, I love, love him. It. He might I, be listening now. I anyway, please, Alasia. that's a great, that's a well done by you. I mean, that's what radio back then did. They didn't think people had the attention span for longer songs, so they would butcher the shit out of them. The Doors famously had their songs reduced. Obviously, Leonard Skinner's Freebird, for example, reduced uh mm -hmm. the only song that i don't think they butchered would of course be the great stairway, stairway to heaven, heaven which I, is eight why, minutes of exactly is it that weird that i can just finish your their thoughts well, like that's that. what i knew where you were going that you know in the movie almost famous um there is a scene um that they cut out it's in the it's on the edit you know the, the, the cutting floor. room floor sure. and they had a scene where they took the mom okay and then you know and 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 the and the and the boy who's ever the main character right and they took the boyfriend of the girl and she went away and they played the entire stairway to heaven Stop. for her and there's like doing air drums and everything like that and it's an amazing an amazing scene you know cameron crow wanted to keep that in there they're like listen we can't keep a seven minute cut Tremendous. of a stairway to heaven all right we are off the rails i, I hope you guys <laughs> don't mind it so much it's been a long week for us hasn't it been a long week my God, it's yeah. been a very, it's been a long two weeks. Last yeah, week yeah. was like the longest week ever. Yeah, it has been. But but let's talk to us. Run us run us through. And one of the things I really like about your note, and I, and I mean this, um, is that you you focus on a couple of things each week that you think you know were important to you, and that you think is going to be something that uh, your investors, your members should be focused on the next week. You're not going all over the place. This is not like a two thousand word opus or anything like that. You're really kind of getting to the important part, which is also the name Ooh. of your podcast look oh, at that go, there. go follow yeah. it in the podcast stores it's the important yeah. part with liz young here all right liz talk us through your your note here yeah so obviously q1 earnings season kicks off next week uh i use living on a prayer because honestly the the lyrics just worked really well with it mm -hmm. we've been hearing for a long time if you look at that first chart this is easy to explain the blue is where margins were expanding, the red is where margins are contracting. So that big, most recent blue triangle that you see is what drove the narrative about earnings are gonna be fine, they don't need to come down anymore because margins are so fat, everything's gonna be okay, companies can absorb it, they're passing it through, blah, 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 blah. Well, then we crossed over and you can see that the contraction is just beginning. Mm -hmm. So we put the longer term chart in here because I wanted to show people that the contraction doesn't usually end where we are right now. And you you typically see a peak in earnings and then a contraction, which is uh, the next chart, a contraction of roughly 23% in a recessionary environment. So keep in mind, the peak just happened in the third quarter of last year. And we're using trailing earnings for this because it's the actually reported what happened stuff. If that decline that average decline actually occurred, we got to go down to $167 a share. Now, I don't think we have to get there. And I wanted people to sort of see all of this over a longer term perspective to put it into that context. I don't think we have to get all the way down to $167 a share. But 
we probably got to get down below 218 because of everything that we're facing in this environment and because of the fact that estimates bottom up and top down, like I said before, have not budged even with everything that happened in March. So I think this earnings season is going to be more interesting maybe on the revision side. I don't know what's going to happen with the actual reports. I think we're all expecting financials to not report well. But on the revision side, I think we're going to see a lot of activity this season, and that's going to change the way that we're looking at the market for the next nine months. All right. So I love this because it illustrates you could visually see, and this goes back to 1985, but let's go back to that prior slide real quick, if we may. Now, if you think about that margin expansion happened starting, I would imagine, mid-21 into 2022, you know what else is you're having in the midst of this is huge multiple expansion because, yeah. you know, margins can increase, but the subsequent or the commensurate earnings we're not increasing. Now go to the next slide, please, if we can. We're halfway there. Well, we're actually just starting. It's more of a carpenter song. We've only just begun, but that'll be for next week. But even if you don't think it gets down to 167, which is the historical norm in terms of percentage drops, let's just say it's in half. Let's say we get ha would get halfway there. We're still talking about, if I can do the back of the envelope, $195 or thereabouts, which is significantly lower, obviously, than we are now. And again, what's the right multiple for that? I'll even give you a 17 multiple. I will put a 17 market multiple on that 195, and we're still sub 3,400. So no matter how you dice this up, EY, the market is rich here. Back to you. Yep. Yep. So the halfway there is actually about the fact that we've had one quarter of negative earnings growth. So we're halfway to an earnings recession. Huh. This quarter is also expected to be negative. If we clock in at a negative growth rate for the first quarter, that will be all the way to an earnings recession. Also note that second quarter is expected to be negative. So the contraction doesn't stop after two consecutive quarters. So that's what we're halfway to. And that goes into, I know I've talked about this formula before on this show, the formula for an actual economic contraction, you've got the market goes first, it has to be some sort of bear market, usually if it's a recession beyond 30% peak to trough, then you've got an earnings recession, then you've got an economic recession, meaning that's how it's confirmed, that's usually the order it goes in. So this is why I think next week could be the beginning of some volatility in the market, because we are right on the cusp of confirming an earnings recession. And if that's the second thing that happens, the market likely cracks first. And then after that, you confirm the economic recession, which is done with things like the jobs market, unemployment, uh, PMI, GDP, all those things. But that, as we know, takes a longer time to come out in the data. Yeah. And, and I guess kind of revisiting what we talked about at the start of the show. I mean, this is why the banks and what they have to say, the sort of visibility that they have and the kind of perception about like what their lending is going to be like over the balance of this year, especially given the lack of clarity that we have on the strength of the economy and the notion that at least the bond market's telling us that a recession is very likely. I mean, that is really going to set the stage for Q2 um, you know, earnings guidance here. And let's just let's do this here because this is obviously one of my favorite times of the week on market call this is when we preview john butters he's the senior earnings insight analyst over there um at faxa he has a report out every friday called the earnings insight blog and we get a preview of that on thursdays and so what john is tracking already is the s p 500 this is the the negative guidance that has been given 78 
Uh, the S&P 500 companies have issued negative EPS guidance for Q1 2023. To date, the number is above the five-year average of 57 and above the 10-year average um, of 65. What's important about that is that we are really only you know, 15, 17% through mm -hmm. S&P 500 um, earnings for Q1 here. This number is also the highest number since Q3 2019 and the fourth highest number since FactSet began tracking guidance at 06. Information tech, 27, industrial 16. All right, what's interesting about this data to me, Guy, okay, is that the number is the highest since Q3 of 2019. You know what happened in Q3 of 2019? Yeah, well, I will tell you, I mean, there was a blow up in the overnight repo market Correct. that nobody wants to well, talk about. you've been about. talking about that a lot. But, but we know. also had, we also had the last time the 210 spread yeah inverted and you know at the time i remember talking about all of us talking about the track record of that inversion and mm -hmm. what it meant for the likely oncoming recession now we did have a recession in 2020 Short it was line. not for the reasons unrelated 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 yeah. but it's interesting liz when you think about that it was likely coming okay you know what i mean and so that also takes us back to 2018 when we had the fed raising interest rates but then we had the stock market sell off. How much guy in Q4? 19.9% from Halloween of that year until Christmas right. Eve. If and at the time, serves. that was based on a growth scare, both here and abroad. So there was a recession coming. So I just, I do think that John Butter's tracking this kind of negative EPS guidance for Q1 is really important. I think it's interesting also that we've had a high instance of uh, negative guidance among tech because we just said this. This is where we think the market, the rubber is going to hit the road uh, when it comes to tech here. Thoughts on that guy? And then Liz, put a bow on this little thing for us. Well, the the mother's milk, as Larry Kudlow used to say, of, of the market or you, earnings. You really just did that to me. <laughs> You quoted Kudlow on our program. Mother's milk. <laughs> I just of all the people. Earnings, earnings growth, revenue, people. and revenue growth. And if you unless you have at least three of those things, you really don't have you have a market that's built in sand. And I believe that's what we have. Yeah. You don't have the commensurate growth. And you know, people say we're cherry, we're not cherry picking. I mean, that's what's out there. Now, the market chooses to go higher in the midst of wake of, you know, in spite of all these things. I mean, as Dan would say. Have at it. You know, you see weird things in the long weekends. I get it. But Liz's earlier point is spot on. Volatility next week coming to a theater near you, to me, makes a lot of sense. And by the way, I saw a lot of people did this. If on three in the comments section, we could all just type, you know, what is on three. Ready, people? One, two, three. Butters. Because we have to do justice. And I love when people now the comments will just there they come. I'm seeing uh, others. Just keep all going, right, Liz. People. Give Sorry. it to us I, I, on, the, all right. on the negative guidance here. Yeah. Wait, but I, I want to talk about something real quick first because you mentioned the yield curve inversion in 2019, and then the the bear market in 2018 of not quite 20 percent. Everybody, think about this, okay? That, by the way, guy, you were you were right. It was 19.86 percent, rounded uh, to 19.9 percent. Um, that not quite a bear market. That was no mistake. And then the yield curve inversion that happened was like by a whisker for a hot minute. Okay. Yeah. So both of those things together, even though they occurred separately, but both of those things together still kind of questionable as signals. All right. That would be a time where I think you could say we might manufacture a soft landing because those signals aren't clear. 
The signals we have now, yield curve had inverted by 110 basis points. We've got a near-term forward spread inverted by 150. Go on down the line with the inversions and a bear market in both the NASDAQ and the S&P confirmed the bear market started. I think both of those signals are pretty clear, undeniable, and anybody who's still calling for soft or no landing, I don't know what they're looking at. So you have to really be careful with what's in your portfolio, what you're chasing, and what your expectations for earnings are. To my points earlier and to those charts earlier, we are just at the beginning of seeing margin compression and just at the beginning of that turn from the peak back down. So be careful about your timing here because the, there are two things that go up in a crash correlation and volatility. Okay. Volatility goes up, correlation goes up, which means everything falls at the same time and you cannot catch it. It happens fast. So you have to be ready before it starts. Yeah. And that's a great point. You know, just if you think about again, some of the underlying weakness that we've mentioned in small caps and some other parts of the market here, it's really being held up by, you know, 10, 15 names, maybe 20 or something like that. And to your point about correlations, if there are any big tech uh, disappointments on forward guidance, I mean, correlations are going to go to one and that's how we probably get the S&P down the year. All right, Liz Young, EY from SoFi. Thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, guys, you know where I to have follow an update, by her. The way. You know what? An update on what? Uh -oh. I've, I've made some inroads into the Milwaukee Brewers organization. Uh, oh, no. I mean, do I have a choice in this? What if I don't no. want to throw out the first pitch? No. You can do it. I know we got it. We, we, Dan has a trade coming up, so don't leave yet. Um, your parents would be so – your father – would be over the moon watching you walk out to the mound and a beautiful Saturday afternoon with your Brewers jersey on, probably be like a Robin Yount or Paul Molitor jersey. He'd be, you would make, I mean, he'd be so happy. That would make his year. So we'd we, we stand in the on deck circle and clap and, yeah. and tell me and like, yell to me encouraging things but also probably criticize my my throw afterwards the accuracy of it yeah no. <laughs> wouldn't that be amazing can i tell you something and, and some of the people hopefully in the comment section will enjoy this I, I think wouldn't it be amazing if we had guy who, who who sang the national anthem and then he was also the umpire and then somebody yells hey look it's enrico palazzo you know what movie that's from <laughs> Yes, it's those dumb the movies. Naked, naked gun. All right, Liz, we got to say goodbye. We're, Bye, we're running late. Thanks so much. You rock. See you next week. All right, let's do this I thing. Dig, I dig EY. From She's so, the best. You know that. She's got a great sense of humor. And, and her ability to talk markets, sports, and music is pretty darn good. She brings it. She's she smart as it. shit. Yeah. Anyway, back to you. Jenny. Okay. All right. Let's do this thing. So, all right. So let, let's talk Tesla here. Um, and as I just mentioned, um, you guys know how I feel in this name. I do think it's an unusually good setup for a, a short here. Maybe it bounces a little bit into next week. It sold off about 10%, um, you know, since last Friday here. That's a big move in a short period of time. But I just want to look at this chart. Okay, guy, when you look at that $200 resistance level, it never got to its 200-day uh, moving average. It today broke that uptrend that had been in place from the January lows here. So when I look at this chart, I say to myself, okay, it's going to have to retake in a meaningful manner, okay, that uptrend or that past support becomes resistance. Okay, that's the start of this thing. They report on April 19th after the market closed, the implied move in the options market is about 7.5% in either direction. Now, that's not particularly useful on April 6th here. We have 13 days, but it's just kind of giving you a sense of what option, uh, options market makers are pricing right here for the one-day move. So I don't like the technical setup. Fundamentals here. 
Okay, they just missed the delivery estimate. Their own estimate, the consensus, we know that there's been numbers of price cuts here. We know that margins are going to be under pressure. I think there's a really good chance that um, what they basically guide to is not going to be particularly great. Um, so we also have that. All right, so I bought and I got emotional, okay? Mm. I kind of bought the TSLQ. I doubled my position Friday afternoon into the close there. I had a good trade this week. I took a bunch of the TSLQ, the ETF. That's the inverse of the Tesla stock, okay? As Tesla goes lower, TSLQ goes higher. Correct, that's exactly what happened here. Yeah. So you look at that chart here. And if I, I I just like looking at that chart. This this ETF was introduced when the uh, it was about 50 bucks, okay, last summer here. And I look at this thing and that looks like a great double bottom and I wanna play for a move back above 50. So how am I gonna do that between now and April expiration, catching the earnings announcement? I wanna use a call spread. I wanna define my risk here. So today when the ETF TSLQ was trading 47.40, I could buy the April 50, 55 call spread, paying about a dollar for that. It's actually cheaper than that right now it's probably like 90 cents or mm -hmm. so buying to open one of the april 50 calls for a dollar 50 selling to open one of the april 55 calls at about 50 cents again that one dollar is the max i can lose here profits up to four dollars between 51 and 55 with a max gain of four above 55 losses up to one between 50 and 51 with a max loss of one below 50. Here's the risk reward. This is what I really like about this trade. I'm risking a little more than 2% of the ETF price here. I have a break even up about 7%. I have a max potential gain of a little more than 8% if the ETF is up 14% in two weeks. Again, catching the earnings, I'll look to cut my losses if this thing is worth about 50 cents or less. We don't like to see long premium directional trades go to zero. And how do you do that? You have a mental stop, you cut your losses. And so I just want to make a point here. So let's just say you traded a 10 lot, okay, of this $5 wide call spread. You paid one for it. You'd be risking $1,000 to make up to 4000 if it's 55 or higher. I just really like the risk reward. Now you may say 14%, you know, max gain potential here. That's a lot. Well, I'd tell you that the one-day implied move for mm -hmm. earnings is about, seven and a half percent so i like the risk reward here i've swapped out of the etf so i don't have that risk and i'm defining my risk guy what do you think so here you go so i look at this and you put the numbers out and they're all correct here's how my mind looks at it this is basically risk one to make four but since you brought up the fact that you'd probably be stopping out at 50 cents you're actually eight to one so you're risking effectively one to make eight if you really come down to brass tacks and allow that stop to kick in the risk reward sets up well. Your timing is right in terms of earnings. I think you're getting paid enough to sell that $55 call. That 50 cents is getting, you're getting basically rewarded enough to make that sell. If it was less than 25 cents, I'd say there's no reason to do it. So this makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. And listen, if you think about it, we thought Tesla could get down to 165 recently. Yeah, it pull got that chart up. 163.96. Pull, pull up the Tesla chart. You made a great call on that. It so, bounced, so, but then yeah. there's the chart. The subsequent bounce, though, did not get us back to levels we saw earlier this year. Yeah. We we stopped short of that. So lower highs is what lower you're highs. Now yeah. we're through that uptrend line. So 165 seems to be in play, which probably gets you through. I mean, it probably gets you right to that. 50. I can't do the math. You see but the probably gap? Gets you, no, look yeah. at that gap at 150. That and was earnings. That was earnings. Okay, so That's so again, exactly so right. I just want to make one really important point here about this. So when when the stock was like 140 into earnings last quarter, mm -hmm. it had sold off. Okay, down to a hundred dollars. Okay, just to be really clear. Okay, this stock was 700 
and sold off to $100, okay? They could have said anything and the stock was likely to rally. The fact that it's now making lower highs, I think is important. And the other point, so I think if they disappoint, it's gonna round trip to 150. And so you, you may ask yourself, why are you then capping your gains in a call spread, okay? I will work into this position, okay? And there will be some that will be outright long that won't be capped. And I'm probably a little early here. Let's see if this can get above that uptrend. And if it does, I'd love for that and then for it to fail. So again, you don't want to be setting up for an earnings trade too early. You know what I mean? You may mm -hmm. find yourself the day before earnings willing to take the same amount of risk Okay, but then because you're already in the position, you might have the wrong strikes as it trades, as it gets into options. So this is something I'm doing small right here. And most importantly, I swapped out of the TSLQ and now I have this exposure, but I'm giving myself some optionality to play this into the print. Let's just look at a longer term chart because I think you said 700. I think the all time high risk split adjusted is north of 400 or oh, so. Did so I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's just if we could pull yeah. up a chart. Oh, it was 400. You're right. Just Sorry to about see. That. No, that's fine. 400 but, to 100 is what, what happened. But yeah. With that said, you're still talking about, listen, despite the fact the stock has rallied off 100%, yeah. it's still down 50, over 50% yeah. at these levels from its all-time high. And at a certain point, it was down 75%. So although this bounce looks significant, which it is, the stock's still been in a pretty significant downtrend now for quite some yeah, time. Yeah, and I listen, and I just want to make the point. I think all of you people, you know how I feel about the company. You know how I feel about their guidance and the way they give it. Um, you know how I feel about the competition you know how i feel about the concentration risk that they have um in china here so like to me i don't know what chart of that is but give us a five-year guys just hit the five-year thing down there um and so like i just i just think that this is the quarter where the rubber is going to hit the road here and i also want to make a really important point this stock whether you like the fact that it's up 100 percent from those january lows from a technical basis it's broken okay and when you have a broken chart guy like a lot of funky stuff can happen here so to me I would not be surprised if we go back and fill in that gap towards 150, the next stop is 100 to the downside here. And especially if we go into a recession here and abroad, and then you have these competition issues in places like China, and then you have some sort of geopolitical dust up in China, there's no reason why this stock should not go back and retest those levels. And again, I, you know, this is not me being a perma bear on the name. It just seems like low hanging fruit as far as if you're in the geopolitical messy camp and the recession camp for the balance of this year. Uh, we got off the rails early. Sorry that's my that. no, that's my both fault. Bars, I apologize. Both, both. Uh, we got back on the rails. Yeah, we did. I think we brought the goods, which is our want to do yeah. each day. Yeah. Uh, this has been market call. Yeah. I want to thank EY from SoFi for joining us, bringing that shit. Yeah, and just you know, it's it's a pretty holy week. You know, my people have the Passover. Pesach. Your people have Good Friday yeah, tomorrow and Thursday then, and then the Friday, Easter, yeah, right? Sure. So to all Easter of you guys Sunday. who observe all of the stuff, enjoy, be with your families. Yeah. And you know? if you're out there at Shea now, you know, I hope, you know, probably a couple innings in, hope the Mets are doing well in their home opener, much <laughs> ballyhooed anticipated oh, home opener. Um, you know, a lot happens, a lot of pomp and circumstances. The Mets put yeah. up all their World Series championship banners, which uh, takes about all of three minutes yeah, to do. Yeah. Of course, they'll probably... 80 69, 69 they 86. lost in 73 yeah, they did then they won in 86 they haven't won since they lost to the yankees in 2000 they, they did yeah uh did they get swept no it was four games to one they, they swept the padres the year before the is yankees that right? did yeah. that's correct that Tino martinez had a grand slam after being struck out in a pitch that was not called yeah next pitch he took yard i love tino um you know the mets will put up their wild card participant banners which is complete horse shit <laughs> 
Uh, it's just it's it's really lame. And Mr. and Mrs. Met will be there in the Apple. And Amanda's like, please stop, guy. And I'm gonna stop right here. Thank you, EY from SoFi. Thanks, Dan Nathan. Yeah. Thanks, Rafus and Jacob and Amanda. Just getting it yeah, done. They're fine. Butters killing it. I mean, people Butters on the comments just saying Butters left and right. He's a folk hero. He is. I want to thank SoFi, Dan. Get your money right all in one app. Yeah. I want to thank FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. They're also our data provider. I want you to smash the shit out of the like button. And I want you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is growing each and every day. We won't be back tomorrow unless something happens, but it's a market holiday. So what's going to happen? Nothing. I don't know. Yeah. But we will be back on Monday. Folks, see you later. Thanks. See you later. Thanks. <laughs>